0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: In ancient times, people used to stare at the sky and when they did, they found up there gods, goddesses, heroes, and villains in the star formations up there. In modern times, we have movies, video games, television. So, can we incorporate these modern entities or archetypes into our spiritual practices or magical workings tonight our guest wrote a book he's actually written about 20 books and his latest one is called pop culture magic 2.0 it's taylor elwood welcome him back to main street universe and we will be back in just a moment. to another episode of Main Street Universe. I'm Daniel Michael, the founder, co-creator of the Main Street Universe Radio Network. My associate producer, Janice R. White, could not be with us this evening, but she will be returning soon. Now, there's been a lot of changes in the lineup on Main Street Universe, but some of the things are still consistent. For one, our show, the flagship show, the one that started it all. It kind of, it's it's almost always on Wednesday. Though its frequency changes, it's gone to being a once or twice a month show. But if we have an important guest, we'll come back on, and then we're going to have other things fill that gap as well, which we'll get to, including uh, Darren Bucher, who's been with us now a few years with his show Spiritual Insight. So there'll still be something. And Darren will be returning possibly for Wednesdays during the day on the alternative weeks when Main Street Universe isn't there uh, during the night. And we still have on Tuesday evenings at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And very glad to have had her for a few years on the show now. I've learned so much as we have the master herbal expert, the master herbal medicine practitioner and teacher and author, Miss Susan Weed with her show Green Magic Green Medicine, which I am very happy to co-host with her because, again, I get to pick the brain of one of the best herbal medicine folks out there. Susan is on every Tuesday evening at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And then on Fridays, and sometimes her show fluctuates depending if she's on her little book tour or not, I believe it's 4 p.m. on Fridays, uh, is Code Connections with Jesse Ann Nichols-George. Jesse has been with us now for about four or five years, and she does these amazing new—it's sort of a numbers-based reading system, meaning like divination, divination— that she has created and it's it's quite impressive and and pretty detailed. She she did one for me and it was it was, it was like reading a little book about yourself almost. <laughs> um and she calls it code connections but she brings on guests. She doesn't necessarily do a reading show, but it's it's uh an interesting new I guess divination uh, as well as she brings on some fascinating guests including things from the metaphysical to even things like animal charity, she has one of her early episodes. I remember it was a great uh, animal charity fund that, you know, kind of animal rescue stuff. It's a wide range of guests that she has on her show. So check her out on Fridays, and then we also have some rotating hosts that come around once a month. One of them is Jim and Ashley Cash, good friends of mine from the band Woven Green and they have two bands. Woven Green is the one that does their meditation CDs. They make like really beautiful soundscape meditation CDs. And then they have a rock band called One Leap, who's it's more of a four or five piece, you know, rock band. So they they're, they're in fact Woven Green, One Leap, <laughs> the same two front people, Jim and Ashley Cass, are married couple, uh were the ones that wrote the song that you just heard, the opening song, 6 Son, and I've been using it as our opening song for quite a while now they also appeared on our album I'm a musician for those of you that know me out there in internet radio land and elsewhere Uh, my band is called Dragon's Head and Jim and Ashley Cass do make guest appearances uh, guitar and vocally on our album Songs of the New Old Ways which is the name of our CD we completed a spring tour and, and all of that kind of stuff, and we're looking forward to going to, to speaking of guests and tours and music, uh, a little while back we had Tawata D on the show, and we'll be seeing them. They've been on the show twice, and I guess unless we meet before then, maybe the first time we meet in person, we'll be at the Caldera Festival next year. About 30 bands at this thing, all pagan music-based. So I look forward to sharing the stage with them. And another rotating host coming up will be Mr. Brett Hillman. And Brett is interesting to me. He was once our a co-host of mine on Main Street Universe. And he will bring an in interfaith balance, depending on where he is now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But as he is someone who is studying to be a Christian minister. So... Uh, the mostly new age or pagan mainstream universe network that historically has been having a once a month Christian show is I actually think is a really good idea. And I like the interfaith balance. There are other multiple hosts that are coming to fill up some of these days. We lost a few hosts. I mean, they're okay, but we just lost them as hosts. (laughs) And there's a few more on the way, And I'm talking to them and working out their days, including the return of Kevin Baird, the co-founder of the network, is going to be doing a a once-a-month, as well as possibly Mary Phelan, who was with us before. So what we might bring on is a whole bunch of once-a-month hosts, as well as a couple of our steady once-a-week hosts that are here every week. So our guest this evening, as I mentioned before, is the author of, uh, I think, about 20 or so books and i had one time i had just picked up in a little new age shop his his one of his money manifestation magic books and his newest effort is called pop culture magic 2.0 his name is taylor elwood he's involved in all kinds of things um, i think the magica school and his website which is linked here by the way folks i added the link I think I forgot it at first, but I, I corrected it now that we're on the air, and he, his website t- uh, discusses magical experiments, and that's the way he views magic, I believe, and instead of me talking about it, well, gosh, why don't I turn on his microphone and let him talk about it. Anyway, welcome, Taylor, to Main Street Universe once again.
2: Hey. Thank you. Happy to be here and, uh, happy to be on the show once again. I think we were, you interviewed me a while back actually about one of my books, uh, other books. So thank you again for uh, having me here. Absolutely. And yeah, I think it has been a, a pretty
1: good while, right? Maybe a year or more, you know, time flies. I, I forget.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was a while ago, but yeah, it's always nice to, to come back and, uh, be in a familiar space again, so very happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and things had progressed. We we had become a
1: larger network. At one time, we had like I think ten shows going, and some rotating shows. And now, what's happening more is we're going to have more. By rotating show, I mean the once a month shows. Because then you can pull in a pretty prestigious host. You know, like say someone interesting in the in the pagan community or whatever. And their commitment is once a month, and I thought it's it's just an interesting way of looking at it. Maybe less consistent, but in this modern media, this type of non-terrestrial radio, people oftentimes you get many more archive listens than you do live listens. You'll you'll go and look at the ratings we had a Susan Weed show that had thousands of listens to it and nobody was there when we were doing the show, you know, <laughs> but they listen kind of on their own time. You know, it's just the modern way of, of listen. And then sometimes people like the chat room experience. So they'll show up in the chat room and I see there's a guest or two in the chat room. Welcome guests. And so, yeah, anyway, we've gone through a lot of changes, but still have some of our old faithful standby uh, shows as well. So there's still the, the familiar um, sense here including the return of our co-partner, uh, Kevin Baird. But you've written a new book, Taylor. That, yeah. the reason why I find this to be interesting when you say pop culture magic because um, without bringing up any negative stuff, <laughs> oftentimes in the pagan community, purity arguments are they just happen, you know, about, no, you don't do it this way, you do this, that, and bada bing. And, of course, a book like yours, uh, just by its title alone, would suggest that you can work with modern heroes, if you will, or modern archetypes out of the movies, out of the video games, out of television and and use them in your in your spiritual practice or magical practice. So I wonder if you could just maybe give us a brief description of your motivation for for writing this book.
2: Well, uh, you know, my motivation really just comes down to the fact that I've always approached magic uh, in in a sense of, of of possibility. I've always looked at it in terms of what could be done, as opposed to, um, you know, just what what is already being done. And uh, you know, when I I started practicing magic in 1993, and uh, within a few years of uh, learning everything I learned I started to experiment and one of the first areas that I experimented with was was really integrating pop culture into my magical work and the reason I did it was because I realized that you know sometimes when I was looking at some of the some of the the, the spiritual workings they were to beings that I felt no real resonance or connection with uh you know these were beings from another culture another time period and and there wasn't the same the kind of context that I I personally needed and so what I would end up doing is, is, is looking y you know, kind of saying to myself, well, here I am in this vacuum. I practice this, but I don't really have anything I can relate to spiritually. And then lo and behold, I realized, well, wait a minute, I do. I have all this, this pop culture around me. I have these TV shows, these, these books, these different characters, all these other things that that I personally resonate with. And uh, I ended up uh, creating a... An approach to uh to to that with with the idea of just integrating pop culture uh magic in your pop culture into magic and i i certainly wasn't the first person to do this i mean i've i've uh you know chaos magician there, there are chaos magicians doing this uh as well i mean there are some people who were doing something along those lines even in the 1970s but i think i was really the first person to write about it and uh and it's it's and and really to develop something more concrete than uh, hey we're going to do a ritual just for the lab for the for the heck of it because we want to see what'll happen it was more like a you know here i'm going to actually develop this this system and i'm going to do it because it actually has some real meaning to me and i will be able to relate to the whatever pop culture is that i'm drawing on in a way that that contextually makes more sense to me than would occur if I was drawing on something that was from a an older culture. So that's really kind of the motivation behind it, and I'd say that motivation's still there now, even even 11 years after I wrote uh, the first Pop Culture Magic. I, I published Pop Culture Magic in 2000, uh, 2004, and uh, Pop Culture Magic 2.0, which is an entirely separate book. Um, just for anyone who's listening, it's, it's not a uh, it's not a new version of pop culture magic. It is an entirely separate book. The reason it's 2.0 is because it represents kind of the, you know, how my thoughts and ideas about pop culture magic have changed over the last 11 years. You know, it, it it's, it, it, there's still that motivation at the heart of it, which is really that I I want to show people that, that it's quite possible to develop metaphysical systems of, of spiritual work based around pop culture. Um, that's meaningful to them, and that you can use it for more than just even just a one-off ritual. You can actually use it as a, you make it into part of your lifestyle, make it into to something that has personal meaning for you. Uh, we we already do it all the time. If you're the if you're a fan of uh, uh, of a show, and you're writing fan fiction, or wearing T-shirts, or or you know talking about you know these 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 characters and what they mean to you. Um, You you know, you're developing a relationship with those characters and, of course, with other people that share those interests. So why not take it a step further and turn it into a spiritual path?
1: And that's interesting because there are exercises. I I remember thinking, I've heard before when people say this, they'll say something like, uh, even if you take the metaphysics out of it, they'll say things like, if you're, say, say, trying to deal with fear, pretend that someone you admire, someone brave, or an archetype, you or a hero you admire, is watching you. You've probably heard these similar types of mental tricks, and, and, and it, and it kind of reminds me of that. I'm like, if you're convinced yourself in your mind, and 'cause because just like the gods of old, these archetypes of new, whether it's in a sci-fi movie or whether it's in a, you know, a cartoon or whatever you're inspired by, a lot of people have watched it and thrown energy into it. Therefore, this this entity has a bit of a bit of life, you know. So what makes it one might argue what makes it any less real than one of the gods of old inspired by the the stars in the night sky as i said in the intro so this incorporating that entity into your life and into your spiritual work i think as part of your own gnosis or however you want to say it you know um it could actually be a very effective tool if it's one you believe in. Why is it one you believe in? Because it's one you've watched your whole life and made an emotional connection to, whereas maybe something more ancient you don't feel as connected
2: to. Well, that's, and that's just it, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, there are some people who who fully do identify with and find value with, with you know, more ancient, with ancient cultures and, and practices and beliefs, um, and, you know, it's great that it works for them, but we shouldn't make the assumption that it's going to work for everyone. And I, I think the one thing that, that, that really would be of a, a real service to all of us is that, is that, you know, for people who find the idea of pop culture magic to be kind of ridiculous or, or strange or, or, or whatever, it's just to just remember that in general paganism is treated that way by by people who aren't pagan you know they they look at all of us and think well we're pretty strange for believing in magic and and all this stuff um doesn't change the fact that that we that we do believe in magic and that for us it has a a significant presence in our lives or or that we do believe in uh you know whatever else it is that we believe in and that it has a significant presence so there's there's no reason that really uh that that anyone should treat someone else who's, you know, a fellow pagan or or whatnot, should should treat a a uh, pop culture practitioner as as any stranger than anything else, right? You know, you don't have to you don't have to agree with it or like it, but there's no need to uh, there's really no need to go and castigate it either, Uh You know, just except that it's not your cup of tea, and that's that's okay. And for the people who where, uh, you know, it is something that really works for them, well. I think you know there's there's a lot of room for exploration and um and, and uh a, a lot more that can be done with it. I mean even I mean I feel like even with the two books that I've written I've really only scratched the surface and, and in fact I'm actually already working on a, a a third pop culture uh magic book which is actually going to be uh about how to create and develop uh a pop you know how to create and develop your own pop culture magic system. Uh, you know, a system that's specifically focused around a specific type of pop culture, and it's something that you've integrated into your life in a very uh, personal and meaningful way. Uh, because because there's a lot more to explore there. I, I wrote a chapter about it in a new book, um, but it's not, it, you know, that that again kind of only only touched the surface. So I think there's more to explore.
1: And. One question I think some people might have, and I'm just speaking from things in conversations that I've had before, people might say, so let's just say, for example, you you decide you want a ritual and it's something about strength. So are you saying that in this, because somebody asked me this, in this ritual, are you then saying, I'm going to use He-Man as an example, okay, a pop culture cartoon, somebody strong, right? So are you then in fact praying to this pop culture thing? Do you think it's or, or or is or are you seeing it more as you're working with that energy because it's one you've connected with as a child? Or
3: do you well, think it can action?
2: go both I think it can go both ways. I mean you can you can argue well I'm working with the archetype of He Man and and you know, I'm working with this childhood this childhood energy, but then you'll have some people who will say, Well, no, I'm actually working with He Man as an objective spirit you know, He-Man is, is an objective spirit and and has this presence, and so yes, I'm praying to He-Man or whatever it is they're doing. So so it can go either way. Um, you know, what I found when I first wrote pop culture magic, there weren't too many people out there practicing pop culture magic, or at least they were they weren't admitting it because usually they would you know you'd have people come down on them pretty hard. But what I found is, uh, especially in the last couple of years, is that there, there are a lot more people uh, practicing it or at least being open about it. And, and you know, you you kind of find just like within paganism itself and, uh, you know, and the like you, what you find is you find a wide range of um, beliefs and ideas about how it works. So you'll have some people on the one end who will say, well, you know, I'm working with the archetypes. And on the other, and you'll have people who say, "Well, you know, really, I'm working with uh, a spirit. Um, you know, this this is a this pop culture um, entity is really a, a spirit in its own right, and that's what I'm working with." And I think I think both um, approaches are equally valid. It's it, again, it kind of comes right down to what works for you. And so, if if what works for you is to believe that He-Man is an objective spirit that you're praying to, then hey. As long as you're getting results from it and, you know, it's it's, it's helping you to achieve your ends, then I don't think uh, anyone else can really gain it.
1: And I think that comes back to, just like you said before, people think pagans are already a little aw- odd anyway because we believe in magic. So they already think we're a bit, a bit in the world of fantasy anyhow. Turns out a lot of pagans tend to be like Comic-Con type, you know, people. They like their comic books, their fantasy. Not all of them, but, but a lot of them tend to be that way anyway. And they throw a lot of energy into these images. They go to these, these you know comic and video game festivals. Now, I'm not a video game person myself, but, but I, I know plenty of pagans that are definitely into that and Star Wars and all of this stuff. And I think this goes back to the part of the pyramid, which is at times the strength to be silent because I, cause the risk of ridicule, I think, could um, – interrupt with your working if you actually say, yeah, I've been, yeah, my, 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 my spell for bravery worked (laughs) because I prayed to he-man. I mean, the statement just sounds laughable to most people, right? (laughs) So, uh, so I think that goes back to part of the, part of the pyramid, as they say, you know, to know, to dare, to will, to be silent, is that's part of the silent part is not being ashamed, like not, but, but maybe if you're doing a working, you know, it, it can interfere with the effectiveness if if suddenly people are placing the, you know laughing at you and placing the doubt and all of that
2: well you know yes and no i mean I get, some of that depends on your own sense of confidence i mean i've i certainly ne- never let anybody um let anybody's ridicule or anything stop me from being successful with pop culture magic If anything i've i've used it to inspire me to show them how wrong they are and and i'm the one who's laughing now 11 years later I can't tell you how many times I got flack from people who were like, oh, you know, that's not a real system of magic or or who told me, you know, that what I was doing was just reinventing the wheel or anything like that. Well, 11 years later, there are a lot more people practicing pop culture magic. So I'm the one who's laughing at this point um, because those people were wrong and I was right. And I knew that all along. Then I never let it stop me. And so, I mean, I what, what I would put out there is, I mean, sure, you can be silent, but you know, and and, and there can be some value in that. Um, but at the same time, don't don't let other people's um, ridicule or anything else like that bother you. If it's something that you believe and practice then take pride in it, don't let it don't let it uh, faze you. If somebody is going to bother you like that, because the truth of the matter is, what, what's really happening is, is that person on some level feels insecure enough to actually ridicule it. Um, you know, why else would they do it? On some level they, they feel insecure about the idea. It's like, well wait, well what do, what does that mean about what I'm practicing or believing perhaps or something else along this line. And and you know, I mean maybe maybe some of the idea like praying to He Man seems pretty funny or whatever and hey, great, you know? But but here's yeah. here's what I would say is that the pop culture magician can even take that ridicule and that humor and everything else and can put that energy right into what it is he or she is doing, and so consequently, even the people who are, you know, who uh, who are you know hostile have have inadvertently become energetic batteries for for manifesting the uh, pop culture into reality. So, you know, it's all helping as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And an interesting thing.
1: And I, and, I, and I did mean to say that more in the form of a question. I know I made it sound more like a statement when I was saying, you know, being silent. I, I, I kind of just slipped on that. I meant to say, what about what about that? And, and you answered it um, beautifully, so that's good. And, and, of course, you're a long-time practitioner who's, who's very confident and you sort of, you know, you live in, in, in a, you know, surrounded by the things you like, you know, living a magical life, as some might say. And I guess one thing that uh, uh folks might say about a pop culture icon is to think just like the old gods so think of how much energy energy's been thrown into them. I mean people are really into their you know like i said these these con festivals these things so that they they do as entities as spirits have a lot of people on some level believing in them just like a, a chaos magician might talk about you know throwing energy and creating a servitor or not just them but i'm just saying uh, I, I was thinking when uh, one of those folks was with us it it's the people even other people sort of on some level believing it gives it a certain realness so if somebody's making fun of you about it be like you can make fun of it but there are entire festivals uh, convocations, all this kind of stuff, it's a huge market. So you could use that as almost like a confidence builder about it. And say, hey, I'm not the only one into this this icon, whoever it is. We were mentioning He-Man, but well, you know, Star Trek, Star well, that's, Wars, uh, these
2: well, conventions. Well, that's just it. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's, that's just the dragons, you know, There's a uh, there, there's, there's this huge, huge fan culture out there. In fact, in uh, Pop Culture Magic 2.0, one of the one of the the areas that I explore is the relationship between fan culture and pop culture magic, and why why fandom in, can be uh, a really good resource and inspiration for pop culture magic. Uh, you, you know, you, certainly the conventions, but also the online communities and all that. I mean, you you see people who are very dedicated to to certain characters. They'll cosplay as those characters. They'll They'll do. They'll you know. They'll they'll create songs about those characters, or stories, or, or other things. They'll spend money on collectibles. I mean, I don't. I don't know how else you could characterize that as not being a a spiritual thing connection right there. Because I think they're, you know, they're certainly putting their energy and attention toward it in a way that's that's devotional, and um, it just demonstrates to me that there's. But again, there's like there there there's so much more to this and that that yes, there are people that are interested and in fact you could probably even in certain contexts um introduce uh some of those fans to magical practice and work by framing it in the context of of pop culture. they might say, "Oh wow, you know you mean to tell me that I can work with character X from this in this way? I didn't know I could do that." So, I, and, and and one of the things that I, I kind of point out in in pop culture magic 2.0 is that that you know for the aspiring pop culture magician, one of the things that might be useful is actually going to these conventions and really trying to find like-minded people who are already into that fandom and and uh, you know kind of creating a spiritual community from that. Maybe maybe we won't find our our spiritual community in the larger pagan community, um, but we might find it in, in the fans that, uh, are in the fellow fans that enjoy, um, the, uh, the pop culture that we enjoy. So, so, I mean, that, that's, that's the other thing there that that's available to somebody. And again, you know, you, you see all this energy and attention put into, uh, you know, these given forms of pop culture and it's, it's just, it's amazing. It's something that just encompasses what people, uh, you know, uh, like and enjoy it on a fair on a fairly regular basis.
1: And a good example of that and the power of it is here I am Daniel Michael in the year of 2000 this is a couple years ago so we'll say in the year of 2000 blah 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 uh, 13 good, good guess. And George Lucas writes Star Wars you know in the 70 early 70s I guess before it became a movie. And the power of it lives on, lives on, lives on. And not even of my own attempting to, because I'm not like an extreme fan of 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 stuff. But somebody asks me, because I am a musician, and I've done a tiny bit of acting. I'm in a Star Wars fan film, you know. (laughs) So here it is. Star Wars is now part of my life. Uh, And he had, you know, it was really corny. It wasn't for money. It was purely the guy just wanted a film for his family, and he had some. uh, Clearly, he had some extra money. You had special effects. The acting part of it looked a little corny, but you had slightly impressive special effects. But my whole point is, look how much energy had been built around that empire, that Star Wars thing. That I'm now in a little movie, you know, um, that someone created long ago, and it's almost in that. Of course, Star Wars has its own spirituality. You know, he, certainly not by accident. You know, the whole Jedi thing and and people have made that into a real religion. They've, there, are, there is a Jedi religion, and, you know now. And I'm not laughing, like laughing at that. And I'm just saying, it's amazing how it's part. Here's what, here's what my point is. Here's my Here's what I'm getting to. It's part of the creative process. And if we are creators, then not only could maybe even pop culture magic work, but even creating our own heroes, gods, goddesses, archetypes could work. Including our old host Evan Pass from Zariana Radio. Zara was the goddess in his pantheon that he made up. He wrote this beautiful epic poem about it. He's a good writer, and he goes, now, this is my path, the path of Zara. Zara and the clay pots." Hello, Evan, if you're out there listening. So I'm, that's the next point I want to get is about our role in magic and our role in creation.
2: Well, I, I mean. the... You, you know, one one thing uh, I'll, I'll get to that, but one thing I also want to point out really quick is is that you know, uh, like when we talk about the power of Star Wars, is just think about the power of Star Wars even in just casual, you know, casual conversations. I mean, even if you're not a fan of Star Wars, you know what it is. That's how powerful it is. You know, it's 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 there, and it's the same thing with you know some of these this other pop culture. You know, um, you know, like for example, My Little Pony. Now, a lot of people will be like, well, you know, they've at least heard of bronies by now, whatever that might be for, to them, you know, they may not know much about it, but the fact of the matter is, here's this, 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 um, you know, pop culture pervades our consciousness It, it and if it becomes yeah. popular enough, it's something that even if you're not a fan, you, you still know something about it and that now in terms of creating your own pop culture, yes, definitely. I think that, um, I, in fact, I think people are doing it all the time. Um, you know, sometimes it's in the context of fan fiction. Okay, I'm creating a, a a character, or I'm creating my own story, like that that fellow who created the Star Wars movie. You know, he created his own characters, probably, and 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 and, and there they are. But sometimes it's it's just a a completely original um, creation. Um, you know, if you go to a bookstore, you, you you see that. You know, with all the books on the shelves, you know, here's somebody who took the time to write. The difference between that person and say somebody else who's created something is that that person's taken it a step further and turned it into something that other people can access. But even if, even if you don't create even if you don't create something for that purpose, you're just creating it for, for you, it can still be very powerful and it's, it can still speak to who you are and what you do. Obviously, uh, in the case of the, the fellow that you mentioned, he created something that, that defined his path in life. Whether it means anything else to anyone or not doesn't really matter. I certainly see it as a form of pop culture in the sense that it it, it, it kind of utilizes the, the and, and and recognizes the uh, a a very simple truth that that isn't I might add something that you really find in, in older cultures down to you by some priest or oracle. It's not something that that, that you, know, you know where somebody else has the divine authority. You can actually have your own divine authority and and some of that can be found in in whatever creative works that you do that allow you to connect to something meaningful. And and again, you know, that's, 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 that's something that's not, that's something that's distinct to pop culture. You know, it's something that's distinct to our culture. It's not, it's not something you really find in older cultures. Yeah. And
1: in Evan's case, it was a really beautiful poem that took about, I think it took about a half hour to read, you know, he he's just a good poetic writer and I was like, you know what, if I was an outsider, I might go, "Hey, I might follow that little temple." <laughs> that was a nice story, you know. Then <laughs> he write it on the air, you know, he used to have a show with us. But anyway, we we're a little at the past the half hour mark and I was just going to take a quick song break, Taylor, and then come right back. And then we'll talk about Um, some practical things, maybe things you're you're doing, working on uh, other things you do, speaking engagements, and of course continue our conversation on pop culture magic. Our guest is Taylor Elwood, and it's Pop Culture Magic 2.0 is his newest book. And we will be right back after
0: this little break. Forbidden Archaeology Forgotten History Divination, Magic Cryptozoology UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. And more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.
1: All right, welcome back. We are here with Mr. Taylor L. Wood, and the song you were just listening to was quite selfishly from my own band, Dragon's Head. Uh, Myself and Nikki and Amit and Nina and Scott. And other people through various lineup changes, including our new guitar player, Mr. Laramie Roush. And that song was called I Will Find You Again. I always kind of like the little fiddle solo in the middle of that one. And once I played with a violin player, I never want to go back. <laughs> so we usually keep one around. Anyway, we're talking about Taylor Elwood's new book, Pop Culture Magic Two. Point zero, oh. and I really like, Taylor, that you called it 2.0, because how many times have you been to the occult bookstore and you've seen Wicca 101, Wicca something, introductory, everything's introductory, and as a long-time practitioner, as yourself, I thought it was really cool that you called it 2.0. I'm wondering about your any opinions you have on that.
2: <laughs> well, part, part part of that was because, uh, you know, you, you hear like when, when it comes to like social media and the internet, you know, Web 2.0. So I thought it was a clever play on that. But the other thing too is that in general, I I, I don't I and I, I've never really written any books that are introductory uh, magic books. There are, as you said, there's a glut of them, unfortunately, way too many of them out there, um, and uh, not not enough intermediate to advanced books on magic. And so um, everything that I've written is is. Definitely falls into the intermediate to advanced um, aspects of magical work, and so that that also is, is kind of a signification of that. That you know, it's, it's an advancement of what I wrote about in pop culture magic. Um, you know, it's 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 a deeper exploration of the concepts and uh, and the practices and what what somebody can do with them and and how they can apply them to their lives.
1: Right, and I understood the the web reference as well. And it made me think when I saw the two, you know, hey, 101, 201, like in college, right? And it made me think that a little bit, too. <laughs> so I remember – and I often wonder if sometimes people and – I, and I totally understand this insecurity. If, if their first book they want to be introductory, maybe because they're a little nervous, maybe they are afraid that if they go too deep, it's going to expose – them even if they're even if they're talented i mean but but you know that's a basic fear we all have right is to be so i think um if you're if you're brave enough to put out advanced or intermediate even honestly in the occult world, there's so much intermediate i mean i mean beginner books and not intermediate and not to you know the second third fourth, and fifth tier out there that I think it's it's brave of you to say just what you said that you want to put out an intermediate book for a practitioner that kind of knows what they're doing. But here's a little something. Here's here's my take on it. Um, if you want to question me, you know, here's here's my history. Even on your site, you're like, okay, here's part of the, the the history. Here's part of what the courses are going to be about. And I thought maybe we would go into that just a little bit. You're you're involved in, in a bunch of things. I mean, you have a blog. I think you were if you're still involved with the Magica site. Uh, you, you do some other things. Your site is called Magical Experiments. Maybe you could go into some of the other things you do and plug them as well.
2: Well, so so I I do occasionally write articles for Portal Magazine, which is run through the Magicus uh, published by the Magica School. Um, I also uh, occasionally write articles for Pagan Square, which is uh, which is actually through uh, which is the online portal for witches and pagans and then uh I do have my site magical experiments and on that site i uh i do write articles but i also have um i have uh classes that i teach i have uh several correspondence courses uh process of magic and space time magic foundations and then I have a new teleclass series called inner alchemy Foundations that i'm on uh meditation and breathing practices but but also explores um working with the body neurotransmitters um Bacteria and other things as spiritual entities. Um, I also have, um, uh, let's see what else I'm there. I also have, uh, I also offer tarot readings, and I do a, I have a magical apprentice program for anyone who wants to work with me one-on-one, um, and uh, you, you know work work with me directly uh, in, in the in the capacity of working magic. I'm also the uh, not managing nonfiction editor for and Press, and we publish um, cutting-edge, intermediate-to-advanced books on magic. Uh, we also publish some fiction, but I don't really handle that side of things. And then uh, I also am a business coach at ImagineYourReality.com, where I coach, or what, really what I do is I teach business owners how to plan their business by design instead of run it by reaction. And... Uh, those are and, and then, you know, there's some other things I, 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 uh, I, occasionally, I actually do a, uh, a radio show myself, uh, every Monday, uh, through Pagan Musings podcast. Um, so I, this magical oh. experiments. So I've started doing that. And then, um, Every Monday so I uh, I have YouTube videos I put out there and uh and all that. So so I'm always involved in some type of project or another. And of course I'm I also have ongoing book projects. I'm actually working on uh well well I've got a few different books I'm working on now, but right now the, the one that has the main focus is a book that's gonna be titled uh, Your Book Won't Sell Itself, How to Become a Successful Author. And uh what that book really explores excuse me, the alarm is going off in the background here. <laughs> um okay. what that book really ex- explores is um you know how to how to go about becoming a successful author uh, a lot of people think okay i've written a book and the book is and, and now it's going to just sell itself it's going to miraculously fly off the shelf and that's not true books don't just sell themselves the the person who becomes an author has to be prepared to do a lot of work for it and uh Really, the purpose of that book is to teach somebody who's an aspiring uh, author how to how to how to how to cut some corners, how to how to how to make that journey a lot less harder for them than it was for me or some other people who've been writing for a while and had to figure some of this stuff out the hard way.
1: I really then, like uh, that. And Honestly, I would buy that book, but, uh, and I'm oh. not just saying that because. I am someone who has never written a book. I've started a few, but I, I thought of writing a book um, just briefly. I, I know we're here to talk about you and not me, but no, I would definitely buy that because I think that just like in, in all these industries that are artistic, music, art of any kind, if you can get something that can help cut through the, the muck a little bit, it's 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 a great help
2: uh definitely and then uh and then i'm also working on my next uh, magical book which is going to be um pop culture magic systems how to create and develop them and then uh i've got a few other projects that i'll be putting out there eventually as well so i mean i'm all, i'm always working on something and uh it's it's a lot of fun and and just makes my life much happier to be doing something creative oh yeah and
1: I want to remind everyone that Taylor's website is attached to this show page. So for the archive listens and again in this media we get a lot more archive listens than we do uh live listens. That's true of all the shows, even if some of the shows get like swamped with live listens which we have before. Um and and it's the modern media where people kind of listen on their own time and I want everybody to check out Taylor's website. It's attached to the show page now. I did make that correction. Forgive me. <laughs> but uh, uh, And I've talked to Taylor personally, and I went, if you remember, I did like the entry level of your business help thing, and I thought it was a lot of good questions. I thought it was interesting. So I think Taylor is someone that really has his mind uh, focused and in the right place and trying to help people. So I definitely would check out his website if I were you. And I really like the idea that you're writing a book about how to get a book going and how to get it uh, possibly making money for you and all, all those sorts of things because it's better if we can live creative lives.
2: I agree. I it, I think it's it's much more fulfilling when you're able to live a creative life.
1: Now, Taylor, now I'm going to drift a little bit away. I hope you're not offended by the question. I hope not. (laughs) And would you consider yourself then, going back to the magic and the the, the type of magic you practice and the things that you do, including the pop culture stuff or or whatever it is, do you consider yourself to be a chaos magician or some other sort of category?
2: Uh, I don't consider myself to be a chaos magician. I I have... Um, I, I certainly draw upon it as a paradigm. Uh, I have other, other systems of magic that I also draw on. Really, I consider myself to be a magical. Experience. Really, what that what that means, you know, how how that might how how you might wonder is that different from chaos magic? Well, uh, I'll be honest with you. Over the years, I've met a lot of dogmatic uh, chaos magicians. That the the place where I've gotten the most resistance and flack from uh in regards to pop culture and magic has usually been chaos magicians, which might seem odd, but there you go. That is that um, a surprise. which which isn't which isn't to say that I haven't heard, you know, some criticisms uh from polytheists and and uh uh other folks, you know, I certainly have. But most of the time, the majority of the time, like eight times out of ten, it's usually a chaos magician that's that's saying, Well, you know, I had someone who said recently 'cause I'd posted an article about a system I was developing around Batman, he said it, it made him embarrassed to be called a, a chaos magician and I, I basically just said, you know, it makes me embarrassed, uh, that that, you know, chaos magicians have become so dogmatic and and so you know, and, and so so I don't really consider myself a chaos magician. I, I consider myself an experimenter because I am always exploring new ideas and approaches to magic. I'm, I'm always looking at how how I can integrate different disciplines outside of, of magic into um, magical work. So, you know, for example, um, culture study and literacy in, in the case of pop culture magic. And in the case of um, some of the work I do like around neurotransmitters and, and things along those lines, you know, neuroscience and, uh, you know, body health and things like that, you know, there's a lot of people would say, well, why would you want to do that? And the answer to that is, is why not? I mean, we have all this knowledge available to us. Why, why shouldn't we look and explore what spiritual dimensions of that could be, or, or how we could take it and apply it? So I'm always experimenting, and, and so I consider myself a magical experimenter.
1: Okay, and I think that's that, that, that's a good answer. In a lot of times, when people come up with the labels. Some people start to defend the labels. It's the it's the danger of isms, I call it. Like if <laughs> republicanism, democratism, socialism, capitalism, whatever the case is, people stop experimenting and they start defending the ism. <laughs> and in this case, or any label, in those cases they were ism labels. But yeah, the people do start to defend the label, forgetting that it was meant for exploration in the first place. And I guess my next right. question is, as we're as we're running a little bit out of time, I decided to make this sort of a retro question, and just saying, what was your first introduction seriously into magic? Meaning, I know we've all had introductions, but what was your first? Were you in a coven? Did you come through Wicca, a Druid, or what was your first? What did you see as your first like introduction to? official, I guess, paganism and or magic, because I know for some it's not religious, it's just a practice, and so I want to make sure I get that out there. But I'm curious what your beginnings were into the into the magical world.
2: Well, uh, I, as I said earlier, I started practicing when I was uh, 16 years old in 1993, and uh, at the time I was reading lots of fantasy books, and uh, a, a, an acquaintance of mine sat me down one day in the library and me how he had astral projected and encountered demons and all this other stuff and and how he practiced magic. And I said to him, I I just calmly said to him, I want to learn more. Bring some books in. I want to read, which really surprised him. I think he was hoping to kind of freak me out at the time because, you know, he saw I read fantasy books. So the next day, he (laughs) he brought some books in on neo-shamanism and um, elemental hermeticism. And I started reading those books, and that's really where I got my start i, I was i I've, I've never been a wiccan i never i never got involved with wicca i i'm uh, you know the the usual stereotype is right how did you get introduced it's, it's, oh i, I became a Wiccan not in my case i um combination of elemental hermetic magic and um neo shamanism and uh, i i i suppose that that right there in and of itself kind of started me on my path of experimentation because I'd read these books on <clears throat> On, on you know, these two subjects that were, you know, simultaneously somewhat similar and simultaneously somewhat different and I would ask myself, how can I combine this and turn this into something that, you know, I can really work with and I'd start synthesizing techniques and practices and then I'd start, you know, developing my own ideas as to what I could do. And so that's that's pretty much uh, always uh, that's that's pretty much the foundation of, of, of my work. And then to this day I still it's a great some um, neo shamanic and uh, elemental hermetic work although I've, I've since been greatly expanded into a number of other areas and practices so so that's my origin story okay and yeah it's
1: interesting the hermetic thing the seven principles the kabbalian all of that you know and how much it's had an influence on on the modern occult world including a lot of the new age speakers you'll see like some of these motivational speakers in like the 80s and you know even into the 90s and beyond and they're basically talking about the hermetic principles <laughs> but they're just not calling it that I don't know if you see you know, some of these like Bob Proctor or whatever you know all these guys uh, uh, that made a ton of money uh, and but they weren't going to call it magic or the occult or something like that but they would say oh but it's a power within us And I've always been fascinated by that and by the sort of the modern mystics. But we're coming down to about four minutes left, so I want to give you opportunity again. It's linked here, but for people that don't know, um, to to plug everything right now, including your website or any speaking engagements or anything else you might be doing recently. I know you do tarot readings and everything else. So I figure I'd give you that opportunity right now. His book is Pop Culture Magic 2.0. I'm talking to Taylor Elwood, those that are listening and that will listen in the future, and the magical time machine, as I say, that is the archive at listen. So, Taylor, uh, feel free to plug anything you're doing else and working on in the near future.
2: Sure. Well, as I said, I'm I'm working on the uh, the book, you, uh, my next book, your book won't sell itself, as well as uh, the pop pop culture magic systems, and um, I'm actually developing a new correspondence course, which is going to be called Pop Culture Magic Foundation. It kind of walks people through, um, uh, you know, 24 lessons of of how to uh, you know pop culture uh, into your magical life, and of course uh, the new book is out, Pop Culture Magic 2.0, as well as all the other books that I've written. So. If you're interested, come visit uh, MagicalExperiments.com or, or ImagineYourReality.com. And, uh, you know, I always welcome people contacting me and uh, telling me, uh, you know, what they've learned or if they have questions or anything like that. And, again, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm I'm so honored to be on here again. Thank you.
1: All right. And thank you very much. And it's it's great to have you back. Uh, it's Taylor Elwood, folks check it out. Go to his website, Magical Experiments, uh, buy his book Pop Culture 2.0. And right now we're going to end the show with some friends of ours who have been on the show before, actually twice, just like Taylor. Uh, This is D. and their song here, I love the song, it's my favorite song of theirs, I replay it. It's called Hum and a Shiver and they got a really nice music video of it as well. Thank you again, Taylor. Thank you. And everyone have a good evening.
0: and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.